0: I might have to take a sabbatical from CSR this week.
1: I mean, you can take a sabbatical <laughs> whenever you want. We're not going to the twenty-eight to three jokes. The twenty-eight to three to jokes
0: it. and the Matt Ryan pooped his pants jokes. Oh God! Yeah, I swear that picture is going to be in every single Falcons thread, like game thread of the Falcons game coming up, along with the twenty-eight, yeah. 28 to three joke. And I, I get it. Like, I've, I've, I've explained my my piece on that. It's, it's just
2: funny, but. People do realize it's not poop, right? Like it's red, (laughs) in film paint.
0: I hope so. I don't. I, I honestly don't. I think you're. I don't think they do.
1: Hello, and welcome to the CSR podcast, Fourth and Short. My name is Brian Beversluys. I'm here joined by Bradley Smith and John DeLong. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: Good. I think that's the first time I've heard you, I heard you pronounce your last name. I never really knew how to say it.
1: Yeah, I kind of yeah. just went with Brian because there aren't many <laughs> Brian's on our site. Um, I don't
0: there are there any other ones? How do you say your name? How do you say it again?
1: It's Beversluys.
0: Beversluys.
1: It's gotten to the point now where I hop on podcasts or whatever, and I'm like, the first thing they're like, all right, Brian, how you doing? I'm like, hey, doing well. It's pronounced Beversleuth, by the <laughs> way. and I'm like, oh, thank God. I was going to ask you that. I'm like, yeah.
0: Hey, hey, Brian, how you doing? Oh, uh, Brian Beversleuth is doing fine. How are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> the douchiest <laughs> way possible. That's what you got to go with.
0: But yeah, so, I'm good. Panthers, Panthers won, so fun stuff. Yeah, woo They uh,
1: they won uh, seventeen to three in classic ugly Panthers fashion. Um,
0: <laughs> Always zigging when you think they're gonna zag, and zagging when you think they're gonna zig. Yep, yep. I do think. So,
1: oh, uh, go ahead.
0: Uh, just my my initial thought. I thought the re- reactions to the Bears game got a little overblown. Um, obviously that was an no. awful game. I'm, let, I, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, it is what it is, you
0: know? I mean, we were awful, but then it's just kind of like, it, I don't know. It, it seemed like it kind of got forgotten about. Like, even not just like Panthers fans, like even like national, like, power rankings and media. Uh, I mean, we were like underdogs to the Buccaneers, and they're two and four. So I think it was just kind of a recency bias came into effect. To be fair, game.
1: the Buccaneers have a lot of good pieces on offense. I mean,
0: they do. I mean, I know they have one of the better offenses in the NFL. So of course they had they scored three points, and we could We had a hard time moving the ball against their league worst defense.
2: Of course, well, to be fair, the wind was blowing like twenty five <laughs> miles per hour, and nobody could throw.
0: Yeah, but, forgot about that completely. Yeah
2: that that was what I thought was
1: interesting. Like, I get that Cam Newton's good at throwing the ball down the field, but. He had the wide open guys, and don't get me wrong, I'm not an NFL quarterback. Maybe those weren't even his reads for those plays. CP has like chastised me before because I was like, <laughs> "Well, he should have thrown it in the flat." And he's like, "Actually, that wasn't the read you're he was supposed to throw to." So, so I'm not. I'm going to preface this by saying I don't know what the read was, but there were several times where like Christian McCaffrey was open to the flat, easy first down, and instead he's throwing it down the field to. Guys weren't necessarily open when the ball gets to them. That said, there were a couple times they got separation, and then separation disappeared. So,
0: which is is rare in its own right. Separation mm-hmm. down the field. I oh, was. Yeah. I did like that. We at least at least tried to throw a deep pass to Curtis Samuel. I, I think yeah. that,
1: that was a really good play by their by the Buccaneers defensive player. Too. It was. Like he was he was beat, and he managed to make up that make up the distance like. After seeing that play from start to finish, I said, "You know what? I would have made that throw too, because Samuel looked open. The guy just made a good play, and that's that. That's underscored a lot of times in some of the the deep throws that don't get caught. Like mm-hmm. some, but like it's not like the defensive backs and Panthers are playing against are shit. You know, like some of them are pretty good. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I think if you watch the uh, this is where our wide receiver core." needs to help Cam out. Like, if you watch the Texans and Seahawks game, um, Russell Wilson was just heaving 50-50 balls down the field, and his receivers were coming up with it every time. And it's just like, there's nobody on the Panthers that seems to be able to do that, at least on, on the deep pass. Kelvin can, but he's not. he takes eight seconds to get 40 yards down the field. <laughs> wow. Harsh take. Jeez. I, mean, I don't think that's a harsh take. We all know Kelvin Benjamin's really slow.
1: He's not really slow. He's just not fast for a wide receiver.
0: I mean, I think his top-end speed is... That
2: kind of means he's slow, though.
0: (laughs) No, no,
1: no. Like, I'm not saying that... I think that that Kelvin's actually pretty fast for a guy his size. Like, he... When he gets running... Yeah,
0: it just takes him all to get going.
1: It takes him a little bit to get going because he doesn't have that short area quickness that a guy like Christian McCaffrey has, for example. Um, That said, I mean, he's he's been consistent for the Panthers as far as catching the ball down the field. It's just sometimes. So I want to bring this up because this is the second week in a row that they've done this, but they, I don't understand this whole idea with Mike Shula where it's like, okay, we're going to challenge the other team's number one corner guy makes a decent play or The throw isn't there. So they challenge the other team's number one corner with literally the same route. On a set on the second consecutive play, they did it. They did it against the Bears with Fuller, and they did it against the Buccaneers with Hargreaves. And I just don't understand. And both times, like the second time around, the ball was caught, but the corner pushed him out of bounds. It's like, okay, yeah, the ball was thrown right. The guy caught the ball, but if he can't get his feet in bounds, what the hell? It's like, why? Why are you continuing to challenge the guy's number, the other team's number one corner? At the very least, flip the field, run the same route against the guys. <laughs> lesser corner you know like i just don't get it
0: that's that's kind of what we do is we take the thing that makes sense and we don't do it because it's going to be obvious
2: yeah we're experts at doing that
0: you should you should know this by now also Uh, i I think it's just the 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 lack of variation in the routes that we have our receivers run. there's like the it's just to we talk i think we have two problems we have our game plan where we don't really factor in the opponent's strength and weaknesses and almost reverse it to where we try to like outsmart them and do what they don't expect us to do. But on the other end, it's like the players that we have, it's like we have in our heads like, alright, this is what this is the two things that they can do. These are the two things that they can do. And these are the only two things that they will do. Like Kelvin yeah. Benjamin does nothing but like ten yard take routes. No matter and and it's just like I mean he's he got that deep touchdown, but other than that it's like I know he doesn't have speed, but he is no threat to run a deep route because he just doesn't run deep routes ever. So it's, Benjamin, yeah, not this year. He runs deep routes all the time. What are you talking about? I'm looking at his routes right now. He scored. He scored a 25 yard touchdown. I know. I said that one, but I'm looking at his charts right now. Every single one. He, he runs like 10 yard. 10, I was gonna say down. he
2: usually runs that 10 to 15 yard intermediate route. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't burn down the field like 30, 40 yards. If
0: you one. Like I can go through and describe every route he's run according to the next-gen stat chart. Just verbally. I guess it's fair. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I just know that they in the past they've thrown him deep. Yeah, he, so he
0: had one yeah. real deep one last week. And then, like, if you look at week six in particular, he had a bunch of targets. And they're all, like, he, went, he started on the left side of the field, ran 10 to 15 yards up the field, and broke in or out.
1: Well, you have to remember, too, I mean, like... Obviously, Cam Newton's strength is throwing the ball down the field, but the protection needs to be there. Yeah. For, no. And it hasn't been, really. Like, this week, they did a really good job with it. But right. part of that is just the fact that the Bucks' only real threat on the defensive line is Gerald McCoy. So I, I feel
0: like he's been yeah. pretty quiet this year, though, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, he's been all right. I mean, from what I've seen, it's tough because defensive tackles, like... For example, you look at Julius Peppers, if he had one sack by now, you'd be like, he's not playing well. Yeah. Where, like, Kwan Short had, like, what, one sack, like, within six or seven games last year,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and people were like, oh, he's playing really well. So, you know, it's just a matter of that they don't get as many opportunities to actually get the quarterback. It's more so to create pressure and allow the people around them to succeed, you know? Yeah.
0: So.
3: that's. Go ahead.
0: I uh, was just going to say, I mean, I was just going to kind of say, do you guys want to talk about what What are your takeaways from the actual game that we, we did play this Sunday?
2: Brad's been pretty quiet. Let's let him talk. Oh, I, I get to talk?
0: Eh, go for it. Oh All
2: right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the offense looked like garbage, and if it wasn't for the Herculean effort by our defense, we would have lost and we would all be angry today. Um. We've got to find a solution to the problem, and it's a very simple solution. But Ron won't do it. It's called fire your <laughs> offensive coordinator and hire someone who can actually call plays Brad, and do
0: the job. But Brad, have we ever seen a team fire their offensive coordinator and have success with an interim offensive coordinator? Has it no, ever happened haven't. before?
2: <laughs> no, it has never happened. I, <laughs> I don't. I I don't know what to do cuz you know we can't fire him and replace him with somebody else cuz that surely will not work um i will give him credit there were moments yesterday where he made the right call and it worked but as a full body of work the offense looked terrible yesterday the fact that we only scored 17 points in that game is is almost inexcusable i mean it should have been you know, I don't wanna put points on the board that aren't there, but it should have been at least twenty eight to three, if not more than that. The fact that we only won seventeen to three kind of sucks. It almost felt like we lost. That's how bad it was.
1: So I'm gonna come in with the hard opposition review here. Um not to say that the points that you bring up weren't correct. Like there were times where the offense did look like shit, but I think that Shula's idea of simplifying the offense is something they actually implemented, and those little jet, jet sweeps with Christian McCaffrey, while they're cute, they don't work particularly well, but the rushing attack in general seemed to look a little bit better. Obviously, introducing Cameron Artis Payne, who ran really well when he got the ball.
0: Can I say something, was
1: a good thing. Can yeah, go ahead.
0: Go ahead, go the ahead. fact that we're it, is there's any discussion at all about a single 11 yard carry shows how bad our run offense has been. Yep. <laughs> like it's like it was a good run and it actually looked like a competent run play. And the fact that we are actually pointing out, like, look at that play, something worked, shows like how bad things are. Because that's a play that you should see like at least once or twice every single game.
1: Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're no, right. no, and I'm like, not disagreeing like, with
0: anything you said. Like, I thought Pink artist fan looked looked spry and quick. It's just, it's just kind of an illustration of the state of our running game because I've seen it from all over the places. People are like, that play is getting talked about probably more than any other play, and it was just like a standard eleven yard carry on like first down.
1: Yeah, and like I'm not saying that like this this is a good rushing attack at this juncture, but it's uh, better than it was.
0: Yeah, yesterday was or, or Sunday was better than we've seen since what New England.
1: Yeah. Um, really what I'm not sure about is there were plays where the guys were wide open, like I mentioned earlier, like McCaffrey opening in the slot, like those plays where you can get the first down and Cam chose to throw it down the field with all the wind and he overthrew, underthrew, whatever, and the deep passes just weren't there. And I get the, the mindset that you want to add more big plays to the offense. I mean, like for God's sakes, most of the Panthers losses this year have had to do with one or two big plays here and there. But at some point, like, I know Shula is definitely to blame for some of the offensive struggles, but it's like, you know, he called the right play if a guy's wide open in the flat who could easily get the first down, and Cam doesn't throw it to him, you know?
2: Okay, well, well it, here's a question, though. I have a question about deep routes since we're talking about it. Why are we using Devin Funches?
0: <laughs> That's because he's big? Well, who? the only thing I have to that is we don't really have many options.
2: No, we don't. And you know, Funchess is faster than he looks. That's true. But why aren't we using Curtis Samuel? That's why we drafted him. I mean, I know he's a rookie. I understand the argument that they want him to learn the playbook and all that other stuff that they say, which basically translate to he's not very good and we shouldn't have drafted him. But all you have to do is say, Hey, go run a nine route. And if you're, if you're incapable of doing that, you have no place in the NFL. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. When they snap the ball, you run in a you run downfield as fast as you can, and you look up to catch the ball. That's all you got to do.
1: Well, and, you have to remember press like press coverage, recognizing what the coverage is before the snap, stuff like that. Like there's no, there's some very nuanced field.
2: You run downfield and you get open. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not as complicated as some of the other stuff that they have them learn. Like he doesn't need to know what quote spider two why banana means. He just knows, you know, Hey, I go deep. And even if you don't throw it to him, you know, put that option out there on the table. And I think they I, tried to do that. I mean, they did try to do it one time and I'll give them credit for trying and it probably should have been caught. I know the defender made a play on it, but Samuel probably should have caught that pass. And that might be why they don't do it, because they know he's not going to catch it. I think they did it with Ted Ginn. But yeah. they did it with Ted Ginn. Yeah, that's what doesn't make sense. You give him enough chances.
0: He'll eventually just like luck into one, like a blind squirrel, all that fun stuff. I think it's, I know, well, I think he's been starting to lose some of his lesser. There is something to be said about, like, I do, I, you know, I don't like how Mike Shuler calls the games. There is something to be said that this roster, or this offensive roster in particular, is not very well constructed.
2: No, it's not.
0: Especially with the perimeter, on the perimeter, like, we just have no speed out there. Like, Funches, like I said, Funches is, like, our, our our speed, our deep threat, and he's probably an average speed wide receiver, if he, uh, speed and, like, acceleration, and he's being used as our deep threat, and his advantage of his, his best advantage is his size and he's not that great at using it like in contested situations. So it's, I it's, mean, well, that's, what's killing the offense too is along with the play calling part of the run game. I think would get opened up if there was actually a threat that, you know, somebody might run past them.
1: No, I don't disagree. I mean, like, and obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there were, there were opportunities in the last two drafts and the Panthers could have drafted a player who would really complement that, uh-huh. like allow Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches to really work what they're good at, which is the intermediate stuff. Um,
2: well, see, that's one of the problems right there. You just pointed it out, and I don't know if you realize you made my point for me that I was going to make in a minute. We shouldn't have drafted both Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. We don't need both of them. We only need one. Yeah, we. They both basically accomplish the same thing. They're your big guy that gets you 15 yards. We we don't need two of those. We have Greg Olson. Well, we don't right now, but we normally have Greg Olson. Which you know? That three makes, of those guys. That's three of those guys, and then we have Ed Dixon, so that's four of those guys. So, you know, it was a mistake to draft both Benjamin and Funches together, and – we talked about this in the Slack chat earlier today. I don't know if you saw it or not, Brian. But I, you know, it's going to sound like sour grapes from me, and it it's about eighty percent that. But when we drafted a mini Silatolo, <laughs>
3: we could have Here had
2: we, we could have had Alshon Jeffrey. Okay, now stay with me. This isn't just we should have drafted Alshon, but we should have drafted Alshon. We wouldn't have had a need to draft Kelvin Benjamin. We could have had. Uh, I can't. I can't even remember who it was. Now it was uh, Jimmy Ward. We could have had Jimmy Ward. We could have had Ronald Darby. You know, quality defensive secondary players that we could have drafted instead of Kelvin Benjamin. Um, we could have drafted uh, Michael Thomas instead of Devin Funchess. He would be perfect for what we need. We need a speed guy who can stretch the field. We we've got three guys who are big and have a big catch radius, but that doesn't do you any good when you have nobody to take the top off the defense down, down the field. And it all started when we did not draft Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> I
3: mean, even, even not,
2: even not just Alshon, we could have taken Cordy Glenn instead of Amini mini And that would have solved an offensive line problem that would give cam more time. And he could possibly find some of these guys when they finally get open downfield. So drafting a mini has set this this team back five years.
0: <laughs> was that that was still I when Herne was here, wasn't it? He?
2: That was that was one of Herney's last picks. Yeah, that was the 2010 draft, I believe. Or I think that's a little heavy as far as. Uh,
1: I, I'm not saying that mini Silatolu was the right pick. Don't get me wrong. Like Alshon Jeffrey definitely would have been the right pick, but you're. You're now you're playing the whole hindsight is twenty twenty game with the draft, and there's so many opportunities. There's so many situations where you can go back and say, "Well, you could have drafted this guy." I mean, for God's sakes, Armani Edwards, aka the Goat, <laughs> we could have had Jimmy Graham at that spot. You know, like it's tough to play that game because you don't know how those guys are going to always translate to the NFL. And for all we know, Curtis Samuel get a few more games under his belt, get a few more snaps under his belt. All of a sudden, he is catching those passes down the field. Like it's a little early for that, considering he never had, He hasn't really, like, right now is right, like, is right where he probably should have been in the third preseason game, as far as reps go. Well,
0: he it's because he's
2: made out of glass.
1: <laughs> you know, oh. a hamstring injury is is tough to deal with for a, for a burner, though. Like we've seen it. You know,
0: he's had what three different injuries since he's been here.
1: Yeah, oh, it's, it's, always ham- been, it's always been the
0: hamstring. No, he had a back No, thing he had a back and injury, an ankle injury. He had an ankle, yeah, it's the been three different, an ankle it's injury. Been yeah, it has been
2: three different things. We
0: well, got already. that memory. <laughs> I, th- I know it's it's all hindsight, but it is, and then this is getting really far away from the Tampa Bay game, but it is kind of frustrating looking at our draft history the last five or so years and seeing all these picks that we've picked, used, like consecutive picks on like the same position. And and then we have while well, we have all these holes everywhere else where it's like 2013 we draft big wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin 2014 we draft big wide receiver Devin Funches I draft Shaq Thompson with Thomas Davis still here the only way to get Shaq Thompson on the field is to put our defense at a disadvantage draft Vernon Butler when we still have Kawan Short and Starla Tulay it looks like both of them are gonna stick around so now that's kind of like wasted depth I get that they all they're like in a vacuum all the picks were good they're all talented players but it's really frustrating like yay we got a really good defensive tackle that plays 25 snaps a game, but we have no speed on offense and our offensive line is bad.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree. And Vernon Butler is especially one that's a head scratcher. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it, I think, is that Gettleman was going in one direction and Herney, well, I guess Herney slash uh, Richardson were going in another. Because I don't know. I think that Vernon Butler, I, I, I truly think that, Either Kwan Short or Tulele was not going to be with the team again.
0: Oh, like you mean, you mean if like if Gettleman stayed around? Yeah, yeah. I that think that sense. was
1: the plan was to get rid of one of those two. Um,
0: it makes sense. The only thing is, like, this is my reaction when we made both of the the Devin Funchess and the Vernon Butler picks was one of uh, puzzled, like a puzzled reaction. And normally, I'm just like Mister Optimistic, excited every time we make a pick. Yeah, we got a new player, and both of those guys are like. Huh? and Shaq Thompson yeah, I was, too.
1: When kind of... I was watching the draft um when Vernon Butler got picked, the Eagles fan that was with me was like, Well, I heard he was pretty good defensive tackle and I was like, But why the hell did we pick a defensive <laughs> yeah. tackle there? That's
0: so, basically yeah. it. And then I and then I watch videos I'm like, Okay, they're good. And now I got all excited, but
1: I understand the Shaq pick and I think Shaq has been playing pretty well as a blitzer run defender this year.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think the Panthers earlier on we're putting him in situations where he's like trying to cover you know the opposing team's number 1 wide receiver which is never good no matter <laughs> what. so i think that's not entirely his fault i think no. he's going to work out to be a good pick because he's very athletic and he's got he's got great ball skills he's a really good tackler like i think that he's going to end up working out to be like what thomas davis was towards the end of his career a lot earlier once thomas davis
0: retires, but if he retires, he's got you're, fake you're, knees, so he might just play till he's forty-five.
1: Yeah, but you're right, though. Like those those picks seem more like luxury picks than hey, let's address a need here. So, yeah.
0: but anyway, so yeah, the Tampa Bay game, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we won. <laughs> I my thoughts are pretty much in line with Brad's. Um, the defense is great. The defense is super exciting. I'm so happy we finally got some turnovers. But it's just the the offense. It was, uh, it was obviously better than the Bears game, but it's just everything looks... it's It looks so labored. Like, nothing yeah. comes easy. And part of that's the play calling, and part of that's just the personnel. It's just everything looks so hard, even when it's working.
1: Yeah, they like oh, to shoot with the foot a
2: little bit.
0: Yeah, like, they're making mistakes, or, like, if Cam makes a throw, it's, like, the receiver's heavily covered and has to make, like, a really tough catch. Or... Uh, Cam like they are open, but then Cam puts it like makes it like a tougher catch than it should be, or like the offensive line breaks down, and Jonathan Stewart has to make four people miss to get a yard and a half. It's just like it's moving forward, but it just looks so much harder than it should be.
1: I agree, and that yeah, I agree too. It's it's an execution thing. Um, you know they they have the plays in place to. To work at times, but at times. like you said, the, at the prote- the protection could could screw up. Cam could make the wrong throw. It's just like the, what what I what really frustrates me about the Panthers offense is just a lack of consistency. Like, <laughs> yeah, if Cam makes the right throw and it's batted down and complete, okay, that's fine. If Cam if Cam's dropping back for like a ten to fifteen yard pass and the coverage is good and he gets sacked, fine, whatever. But what we're seeing is either Cam getting himself into bad situations with the pressure by holding on to the ball too long and just not throwing, and I, I think he did a better a better job of it this week. Don't get me wrong; I don't want to criticize him too much as far as that goes because I definitely saw him do that at least once, throw the ball away when there wasn't anything yeah. there. But between not between throwing the ball down the field when you have something clearly there that you can just take and get the first down and keep keep the drive going, or the guys dropping passes, or the guys not running the right routes, or people like Jonathan Stewart trying to bounce it outside when they already have two defenders on them, instead of just trying to drive it inside and get those two yards and just move on. It's there's a lot of mistakes being made by this offense.
0: There and, were a couple plays where, like, to get on the Jonathan Stewart point, where I he his blocking's terrible, but there were a couple times where he was making a play and. It was, like, I remember thinking, like, I can't help but think if we had, like, a good running back, like, that would be in a five-yard game. It we said we lost, like, two yards. Just on, like, either being slow to react to a hole or, like, missing a hole or just not making a cutback when it should have been there. He just, like, just missing little things. And he's just not – he just doesn't have the, the burst anymore to make up for those shortcomings.
1: Yeah, the one that really got me was uh, the Panthers did, like, some kind of outside run on the right side. And the defensive back approached Stewart from the outside to force him inside. And instead of just running running hard and, like, running into the defender and probably getting two to three, maybe four yards, Stewart tried to bounce it outside, and he lost two yards. It's like, yeah. why are you trying to do that?
0: I remember that like, exact play, because that might have been the play where I was thinking yeah. that. And I think and he's getting that Mike Tolbert syndrome. Mike Tolbert did that all the time at the end of his time here. I've been
2: asking that question to myself since we've started this season. Why are we, why is Jonathan Stewart running outside? And why is Christian McCaffrey running inside? It's somebody said this on Twitter and it actually is probably one of the smartest things I've read on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Mike Shula has running back dyslexia and (laughs) he, he just doesn't, you know, in his mind, he's doing the right thing, and you know it's clearly wrong, but that's the only explanation that or he's willfully dumb, or he's trying to sabotage the team so he can get fired and go work somewhere else and he's It's like he doesn't want to quit because he doesn't want to hurt Ron's feelings, so he's he's <laughs> trying to get fired
0: <laughs> that's, that's an interesting theory. Um I think McCaffrey at some point will be capable of running between the tackles at least at a passable level. He's not going to break tackles, but if you give him some openings and stuff. Um I don't understand why we do anything with Stewart outside the tackles. He's just he just can't do it. Especially with our offensive line because he he's not going to yeah. have he needs he needs space to get going and he's not getting that space to get going. My play that stands out to me, we did like a little jet sweep type thing to McCaffrey and Stewart functioned as a lead blocker. And I can't remember who was pulling, but there's an offensive lineman pulling. It might have been Matt Khalil, and he couldn't quite get to—I think it was Levante David. And Jonathan Stewart ran straight past him. He had clearly beaten the polling lineman, and Jonathan Stewart ran straight by him, kind of stuck his hand out to kind of tag him, and David just ran up and hit McCaffrey like, one-on-one, like three yards in the backfield. And if Stewart just like, bumped him, McCaffrey had at least five, six, seven yards before he would even have gotten touched. And stuff like that—it just it happens. It seems like every single play, somebody blows an assignment every single handoff.
2: Which makes me wonder: is are they just not good enough anymore, or is there a, you know, is the blocking scheme that complicated where they just can't figure it out?
0: You know, with that is—is is Matt Khalil's the only new guy? Like if it was that complicated, they should—they've had the same coordinator for a couple of years now. Like they should all get it. Yeah. So it can't be that hard. I think it's an offensive lineman problem, or maybe Matt Khalil is just so bad he's making everybody else bad. Brian, you, have remember,
1: you have to remember too. I mean, you—you you mentioned the guy was that made the play, Levante David. You know. Like, the scheming for an offensive play, especially a perimeter run, they have very specific assignments as far as who they're going to block. Yeah. And Lou Keekly is, like, the poster child for plays where all of a sudden they, they do a perimeter run, and then there's a linebacker in the backfield who makes the tackle. And it's like, you typically scheme, like, a lot of those perimeter runs, there's typically guys on the backside where you're not even worried about them. Playing that play because they aren't supposed to be able to make that play. And as I mentioned, Keekley and Levante David is definitely one of the better outside linebackers in the NFL.
3: Mm-hmm. You're
1: just going to run into that sometimes. Like, those guys are really smart, really athletic, and really good at tackling. So they might run in there and blow up your play just because they figured it out pre-snap, you know? So I'm, I'm sure not, I'm not saying what that. you guys are saying is wrong, But there are. This is the NFL. It's the elite of the elite. So sometimes you're just going to have that one play where the linebacker figures it out, goes back there, blows the whole freaking thing up. I mean, if you remember that one that one play by uh, Luke Kuechly against the Ravens back in 2013, where it was a toss play, Luke Kuechly blew up. Yeah, against the Ravens, he blew up the the play call. Running back fumbled. Thomas Davis scores. Like the running back, clearly had no idea that Luke Kuechly was coming. Luke Kuechly mm-hmm. just blew, shot the gap, and just like blew him up.
0: So, like the best run stop of all time in his preseason yeah. game, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, like those plays are going to happen with those elite level linebackers. Like they just know, they know, they they have very good game flow. They have very good awareness of where the ball is going to be. So the Panthers definitely could use some upgrades. On the offensive line, from an athleticism standpoint, and Matt Khalil hasn't really shown me anything to make me think that he's a good run-blocking offensive lineman. In fact, I think he's a bad run-blocking
0: offensive lineman. I, uh, I would be hard-pressed to disagree with that, yes.
2: Yeah, I think you might be <laughs> right, Brian, and I, I think you might need to change your word some to um, most because quite frankly – we should keep Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell and we should completely replace everybody else.
0: Put Moten
2: in at right tackle. You know, we've got him on the bench, put Moten in at right tackle and put Daryl Williams somewhere on the line and get a center and get a left tackle.
0: Was it CP that suggested today that we should uh, just let Norwell walk and then move Williams to guard and then put Moten at right tackle?
2: Yeah, and that's not a terrible idea. I mean, it's depending on idea. how much Norwell wants, you know, yeah. if he wants more than like an average value of like seven million dollars a year, then you have to let him go because he's not worth it. Um, but you know, if we find if we find a left tackle that's decent, and we we keep Norwell, just assuming we do, we put Moten at right tackle. Then we've got Larson and Williams that can play those backup swing lineman positions where Williams can be a a tackle or a guard, and Larson can be a guard or a center. And, you know, you've got that covered. And we can get rid of guys like Amini Silatolu, who can't really play, and then we can get rid of – and this is a pretty hot take, but it's time to get rid of Ryan Khalil. Um, Yeah, not if
0: he can't stay healthy.
2: The, the best ability is availability, and he doesn't have it anymore. You know, he's, he's apparently got a broken neck of some sort because he can't stay on the field. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, so don't take my word for it, but something is wrong, and they're not telling us what it is. And when, when it's something like that with an offensive lineman, especially a center, you know, he, he can't play. And we need somebody who can.
0: I think it's very damning that he uh he played he you know, he missed all these games out of nowhere and then he played the Bears game and he played what one series before he had to leave with injury again? Yeah. The same thing. So it's like he gets as soon as he gets exposed to contact, he has to go back out. That's not a very reassuring fact.
2: No, it's not. And it's it's like Trey Turner with his knee. You know, he's Is that being he, It's been bothering him. You know, he hasn't missed much time, but he keeps coming out for a series or two with what appears to be a knee problem. Thank you for um, saying
0: problem. I I was going to say, my pet peeve, I think it's Jim Nance that does it. He'll say, like, Trey Turner missed last week with the knee. Yeah. Well, well, we all have knees. (laughs) Don't see me missing my job. (laughs) Sorry, go on. That's just (laughs) one of my pet peeves from announcers. (laughs) (laughs) but
2: anyway yeah um you know trey turner has had this knee for (laughs) this knee injury for the last couple of weeks now and you know he's a guard he needs his knees he needs to be able to push (laughs) and you know if he can't put daryl williams in at right guard sit trey turner for a couple of games you don't have to ir him or anything but let him sit until the bye And, you know, let him heal. It's better for him to miss two games now than to get hurt in two weeks or three weeks. And, you know, we're we're four – we're, what, five and three right now. Let's say we're seven and three, and then we lose Trey Turner for the rest of the year. You know, that sucks. So, you know, it's probably best to let him rest now.
0: Yeah, I like – like these next couple weeks – especially next week or the week after next with the against the dolphins is a great week to just kind of let if there's anybody that's kind of iffy on their status just let them sit it out not i mean not to take the dolphins lightly or anything but it's it's an it's an AFC opponent they're yeah, not good it
2: doesn't hurt us if we lose as much not, yeah as you know next week does we'll
0: have the bye week it's an extra week to heal so it's just it's, yeah. yeah i wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of you know questionables that lead to DNPs. Uh, yeah, guys that.
2: like Ryan Khalil and, and Trey Turner and um, hell, there's one other one. I can't remember who it is now.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know either.
2: But, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, They need to play next week because it's a big or this week because it's a big game, but next week's a less big game.
1: Yeah. Well, this is Monday Night Football, though.
0: I think I'm going to so, go to it. I'm kind of excited Belton. about that. Yeah, that game is going to look, is going to be it, the hashtag, Dolphins. You know, are awesome. revenge tour. It's going to, it's going to look like uh, our last year's Monday night game. We played a team from Florida and we lost to our Roberto Aguayo game winner.
2: We haven't talked about him yet or, are, <laughs> are either of you as bummed as I am that he didn't make the trip to Tampa and kicked I the was so
0: winner? disappointed that he didn't play in Tampa. <laughs> I was so, I said it. In, like, the, the the thread where we – whenever he, whoever posted it said, like, oh, we're working out kickers and Roberto Aguayo wasn't there. And I was – and I said, like, Roberto Aguayo – a Sunday Roberto Aguayo would make me so happy. And I got a couple, like, responses. that just like, why? Because, you know, this is just so fun.
2: Yeah. It would have been awesome if he would have come in and, and won the game with a field goal.
0: Or even just made a field goal, like – that probably would have made Buccaneers yeah. fans just to, mad.
2: Just to just to spit that in the Bucks face.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, version hey. of Wyo makes like two extra points and a twenty-five yard field goal, and Bucks fans are pissed. Why couldn't yes. you do that for us? <laughs> oh, Alright. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, I have one more question for you guys. Just, Go ahead. Alright, scale of one to ten, how good do you feel about Sunday's win?
3: Uh
2: about a five
1: yeah I'll give it about a six
2: I mean For a five. win is a win, and that's great I mean it's better than a loss you know we're we're five and three Hotting. instead of four and four, so that's great uh it it kind of my spirit got dampened a little bit when the the saints and Falcons both won, so you know it basically made our me our win meaningless um
0: well we didn't fall behind
2: we didn't fall behind, but I just I almost felt like we lost, because we only won by two touchdowns.
0: We only won by two touchdowns. I, I'm i also going to give it, like, a six. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it should it have felt been like a the if uh, <laughs> it, it felt like the 49ers and Bills games. Yeah. Especially the Bills game. It's like, eh, hey, we won. Yeah. Hmm. At least, by the way, right now, if the season ended today, we'd be in the playoffs. So...
1: That's never a bad thing. No. Despite themselves, the Panthers have played well enough to get to a five and three record and have the ability to get to seven and three if they beat the Falcons and the Dolphins, so it's they can they very much control their own fate right now. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: But Hey, we're in the hunt too.
1: I yeah, got I know what exactly I
0: what you wanted.
2: I got exactly what I wanted. We are in the hunt. We're not undefeated, and we're not completely out of it. <laughs> yep.
1: And that's very much what the Falcons can say right now, too.
0: And it's going to be a fun game.
1: So for everybody listening, we're going to have a couple guys from the Falcoholics website. Guys. On. Guys, girls. My friend Gina will be on. Anyway. um,
0: Sweet name drop. It's my friend. My friend. My friend. uh, The uh, woman that likes football. Not a friend of the program. (laughs) She's
1: a friend of Brian. Well, they're not friends of the program until they've been on the program. So. um, But, yeah. We have friends with Alcoholic who will be on, so feel free to join us for that. That's going to be dropping, I guess, Friday. Friday. Yeah. Um, That should be fun. We'll be talking a lot of crap on the Saints, I'm sure. But. Yeah, so from all of us here at the CSR Podcast, I'll let Brad and John do their send-offs, but
2: have a good night.
0: I'll see you guys later. Yay, go Panthers.
2: Hey.